0: You know, the good news of the gospel is that through Jesus' death on the cross, He defeated Satan on our behalf in two primary ways. First, He made it possible for us to obtain forgiveness of past sin. Second, He made it possible for all of us to receive God's righteousness by faith without having to observe the law, which deprives Satan of his chief weapon against us, which is guilt, shame, and condemnation. You know, Christians are involved in a tremendous conflict that spans the whole universe from heaven to earth. And the battle is between God and the forces of good and Satan and the forces of evil. The devil is an archangel who, because of his pride, led about a third of the angels in heaven in rebellion against God and set up a rival kingdom. Now, Scripture presents him as being a dragon, a serpent, a murderer, a liar, and a thief. How would you like that on your resume? Satan opposes God. He opposes God's purposes and he opposes God's people. And he's in opposition to us all the time. And in that opposition, he's got three objectives, to steal, to kill, and destroy. And that never changes. Now, Jesus has put spiritual weapons in our hands so we can administer his victory over Satan. Listen to Paul talking to the Corinthians. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not flesh and blood. They're not physical or material, but they are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses or strongholds. You know, as we operate these weapons God's given to us and we do it in faith and independence on him, the very power of God himself becomes available to us. See, we're not to be on the defensive in our battle with the enemy, wondering where Satan is going to strike us next but we're to be moving out on the attack against his fortresses to destroy them and pull them down with our spiritual weapons. Don't be passive. You know, you might be tempted to say, oh, Rick, I'm so weak. I'm unworthy. How can I fight? But it's the devil who puts those words into the mind of a believer, not God. In a certain sense, of course, we're weak and unworthy. However, Listen to these words of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. He says, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the low things of this world and the despised things and things that are not to nullify the things that are. are." You know what God's saying? He's saying the weakest thing in this world in my hand will defeat the strongest thing in Satan's hand. You know, in God's infinite wisdom, God has chosen the weak and the unworthy people like us to overthrow the things that are Satan's kingdom. You know, our confidence is not in ourselves, of course not, but in our weapons. So what are our spiritual weapons? Well, here's a passage that describes them. This is in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 and 11. He says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now has come the salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them before our God day and night, is cast down. And they overcame him. That's talking about us, the believer by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death." Notice, the crucial statement here is, they overcame him. And that's for every believer. Notice the direct person-to-person conflict of believers with the enemy. Their weapons in the fight are the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. In addition, They're totally committed to the battle, even to the death. Now, I interpret this text in a very simple, practical way. We overcome Satan when we testify personally to what the Word of God says that the blood of Jesus does for us. Got it? When we use these three weapons together, the blood of Jesus, the Word of God, and our personal testimony, we make them effective. But to do it properly, we have to know what the Word of God says that the blood of Jesus does. So in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, we read, For you know that it was not with perishable things like silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish, Or defect. Now here, Jesus is compared to the Passover lamb. Under the old covenant, the blood of the Passover lamb was applied to the homes of the Israelites. The father of each family killed the Passover lamb, collected its blood in a basin, and then transferred the blood from the basin to his home with a very simple instrument. It's a little plant that looks like a paintbrush and it's called hyssop. And he dipped the hyssop in the blood of that lamb and sprinkled it on his home. So the hyssop was essential because the blood in the basin gave no protection, but the blood placed on the home by the use of the hyssop protected all the members of the family. Now stay with me. I'm going somewhere. Our hyssop is our testimony. When we testify. About what the Bible says the blood of Jesus does, it's like taking the blood from the basin and then sprinkling it over the place where it's needed, the place where we live, our homes, our family. In Ephesians 1 verse 7, Paul goes on to say, in him, that's Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So Paul states two things that are provided for us by the blood of Jesus, redemption and forgiveness of sins. So in order to make these provisions effective in our lives, then we have to make the appropriate testimony. This is the message of Psalms 107, verse 2, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. See, we have to declare with our mouth boldly, I am redeemed from the hand of the enemy, that is, from Satan. Now, to redeem something means to buy it back. We were once sinners displayed in Satan's slave market for sale. But Jesus walked into that slave market and bought us back out of the devil's possession with his own sinless, precious blood. This redemption from the enemy is based upon the forgiveness of our sins. So, to make Christ's redemption and forgiveness effective in our lives, we have to use our personal testimony saying, through the blood of Jesus, all my sins are forgiven. Through the blood of Jesus, I have been redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. And man, I make that confession every day. That testimony, when we make it with our own lips, is like the hyssop. It transfers the power of the blood of Jesus from the realm of the potential into practical daily living. Now, here's another provision of the blood of Jesus cleansing from sin. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. So if we walk in the light, then the first result is fellowship with one another. And the second result is we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus does not cleanse in the dark, but as we walk in the light. Now, the first test of whether we're walking in the light is fellowship with one another. See, if we're not enjoying fellowship with fellow believers and with the Lord, I'm not walking in the light, and if I'm not in the light, the blood of Jesus isn't cleansing me. So it's important to ask this question, how do we walk in the light? Well, the first condition is that we walk in obedience to God's Word. Psalms 119, verse 105, one of the first scriptures I ever memorized. Your Word, Lord, is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. The second requirement is fellowship with one another, with other believers. Now that's summed up by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, where he says, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. Now in that passage, walking in the light is defined as relating to our fellow believers in truth and in love. So we have to be willing to act out the truth in our relationships with one another, but we have to do it in love. See, walking in the light consists of two actions put together. Walking in obedience to God's Word, walking in truth and love with our fellow believers, and when we meet those conditions, then we can say with full assurance that the blood of Jesus is cleansing us from all sin. Now, today we're very conscious of pollution physically in our world and atmosphere all around us. In fact, I've got a little drainage from all the oak pollen. But the spiritual atmosphere around us is also polluted by sin, by corruption, and ungodliness. So in order to be kept clean, we need the continual cleansing of the blood of Jesus. Now having made sure that we're meeting the conditions for cleansing, then we are in a position to make this appropriate confession. Listen, our testimony should be this. As I walk in the light, the blood of Jesus is cleansing me from all sin now and continually. Now, if we believe that, we will start thanking God. And I do it every day. And as we thank him, you're going to feel pure and clean in a new way. Now, there's another provision of the blood of Jesus called justification. I'm giving you a lot of doctrine, but it's important. This is in Romans 5, verse 8 and 9. But God demonstrated His own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath or judgment through Him, that is, Jesus? Now, the key phrase is justified by his blood. I can't justify myself. To justify actually means to make righteous, to acquit me from sin, to hold me guiltless. That's wonderful. The best definition of justification I've ever heard is this one. Through the blood of Jesus, I am justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Now, how can we say that? Well, because we are justified through the blood of Jesus, not our own works. We receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ, not our own righteousness, I'll never measure up. And Jesus never sinned. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 21. says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him, Jesus, we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. In other words, get this picture. He took my sinfulness, it's pictured in this jacket, and he put it on himself, and he gave me his robe of righteousness, total sinless perfection. He clothed me in that, and now the Father only sees me in the righteousness of Christ. And oh, how I thank God for that, don't you? Notice the exchange. On the cross, Jesus became sin. With our sinfulness, though he didn't have any, he assumed the penalty and judgment of my sin and yours. He paid the full price of redemption by shedding his own blood because scripture says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So in him, we become the righteousness of God, not our own righteousness, nor any other kind of human righteousness that we earn, but the very righteousness of God himself. And God has never known sin. He's never been defiled with sin. That is the righteousness we get through faith in the blood of Jesus. I am totally justified. Wow. Through the blood of Jesus, then I am justified, made righteous with God's righteousness. And I become just as if I'd never sinned. Then, now this is the answer to Satan's accusations when he comes against you. Why is Satan accusing us? Because his weapons are to try to prove you guilty. See, guilt, shame, and condemnation. Therefore, the primary testimony that overcomes Satan's accusation is this constant reminder through your mouth. Through the blood of Jesus, Satan, I am justified, made righteous, just as if I'd never sinned. Now, I'm not saying that so God knows it. I'm reminding the enemy I know it. Because if you don't know it, He'll just do condemnation, shame, and guilt over you daily. He'll destroy your potential, ruin your confidence, make you realize you're not worthy. Of course I'm not worthy. My worthiness is in what Jesus did for me. Now, for this reason, I can stand before God now, clothed in the righteousness of God through Jesus' blood, totally justified, without shame or fear, without guilt or condemnation, for there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, and I can answer Satan with total boldness. Satan, it is useless to accuse me because I am not meeting you in my own righteousness. I am meeting you in the righteousness of God, which is without spot and without sin and without stain. I love that. Now, the next provision of the blood of Jesus is sanctification. To sanctify means to make holy. And and could I say this? To make holy is not no makeup, no jewelry, and look ugly. Okay, I don't know who came up with that. To make holy means to set something apart to God. A holy person is someone who is set apart to God. And once you become a believer in Jesus, you become set apart to God. Hebrews 13. Verse 12 says, Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. In other words, Jesus was crucified outside the city to sanctify the people through his own blood. The use of blood for sanctification is very clear in the Hebrew Passover. The blood of the Passover lamb set Israel apart to God in a specific way. You read about it in Exodus chapter 11, verse 4. It says, God's intention to set the Israelites apart from the Egyptians was revealed in this verse. So Moses said, this is what the Lord says. About midnight, I will be throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die from the firstborn son of Pharaoh or the president who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the slave girl who is sitting at her handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle and livestock as well. There will be a loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any man or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. So the Lord made a distinction between those who were His people and those who were not His people, and He still does. See, wrath and judgment came upon those who were not God's people. But God's people are so totally protected that not even a dog would bark against them. Quite amazing, isn't it? You know, when, when don't ever as a parent say God's judging you when a child does something wrong. Jesus took our judgment on the cross. Sometimes I receive the reward of a foolish choice I make, but I am never under judgment. I've already been judged by Jesus on the cross. God poured His judgment on Jesus, and when I accept Jesus, He accounts to me as though I've already been judged. Do you see that? Judgment will never come on the believer. There's a distinction between a believer and a non-believer. So the basis of this, this distinction, this separation was the blood of the Passover lamb. It wasn't my hairstyle. It wasn't that I don't smoke. It wasn't that I'd never been drunk or committed adultery. It was all about the blood of the lamb. Any home that had the blood of the lamb on the outside was sanctified, meaning set apart to God, just as those of us who believe are covered in the blood of Jesus and set apart to God. No evil power could invade that home Because the Lord had made a distinction between His people and those who were not His people. The distinction was made by the applied blood of the Lamb. Let me say this. Right now with this coronavirus or any other plague or disease, you remind the enemy every day that you have been set apart to God by the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. And no evil or destruction shall befall you. You remind the enemy boldly every day that no plague, no disease shall come upon you through that blood of the Passover lamb. I pray every day, every disease-carrying germ and every virus that touches my body or my wife or children shall die instantly in the name of Jesus because I've been set apart through the blood of the lamb and God will make a distinction. You need now, especially to make that confession every day, Now, in the same way that we have applied the other provisions of Jesus' blood by giving an appropriate testimony, we can apply the provision of sanctification with this confession. Through the blood of Jesus, I am sanctified, made holy, set apart to God. The devil has no place in me, no power over me, no unsettled claims against me. All has been settled by the blood of Jesus." And last, there's another precious provision made for us by the blood of Jesus, and it's one which many Christians are not aware. It's found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 and 24. And it says, You, speaking of all true believers, have come to Mount Zion, to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Now, in the heavenly Mount Zion, The blood of Jesus was sprinkled in the Holy of Holies before the presence of God on our behalf. He entered there as our high priest, our forerunner, having obtained eternal redemption through his own sacrifice, and he sprinkled the evidence of that redemption in the very presence of Almighty God the Father. Now, we should notice the important contrast here. Early in the history of Cain, he murdered his brother Abel. Then he tried to lie about it, to refuse to be responsible. But the Lord challenged Cain and said this, There is no way, Cain, you can conceal your guilt because the blood of your brother that you shed on the earth is crying out to me for vengeance. That's in Genesis chapter 4, verse 10. Now listen in contrast the blood of jesus christ sprinkled in heaven cries out not for vengeance but for our mercy the blood is a continual plea in the very presence of god for his mercy over us now once we have testified personally to the power of the blood of jesus we don't have to repeat those words every few moments because the blood of jesus christ is speaking all the time On our behalf in the very presence of God. Every time we're troubled, tempted, fearful, anxious, we should remind ourselves and declare this. The blood of Jesus Christ is speaking in God's presence right now on my behalf. The blood of Jesus has made provision then for our redemption, forgiveness, cleansing, justification, sanctification, and intercession on our behalf. And by testifying personally to what the Word of God says about Jesus' blood, we can apply all of these provisions every day to our lives. And in this way, Satan is robbed of his primary weapon against us, which again, guilt, shame, and condemnation are his weapons. And we're enabled to live in the victory Christ accomplished long ago on that cross.